You have the right to earn an honest living. This is called economic liberty and is protected by the U.S. Constitution. But often entrepreneurs face burdensome, arbitrary, and anti-competitive laws that make it really difficult, if not impossible, to earn a living in the occupation of their choosing. Welcome to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. My name is Bill Moore. I am a food truck business coach, author of five food truck vending books, including Food Truck 101 and Food Truck 201. This podcast is all about helping you start and grow your food truck business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have several trucks that are facing unfair restrictions when it comes to getting their permits and being allowed to set up and earn an honest living. Jackson, Mississippi, for instance, has a rule that food trucks cannot set up within 300 feet of an existing restaurant. Yet in the exact same city, you can literally find restaurants next door to each other less than 100 feet apart. And how do I know this? Because I measured a bunch of them. I have another client in Texas that's facing a permitting requirement of $250, and that's good for exactly 10 days. And then he has to move. So there's no opportunity in this particular town in Texas to get a permanent annual permit. And it doesn't end in Texas and Mississippi. Louisville, Kentucky had a rule at one point that a food truck could not set up within 150 feet of a restaurant. Even if the truck owner also owned the property that they were setting up on, a food truck owner went out and bought a vacant lot right next to a restaurant and was not allowed to set up his own food truck on it. But if that same food truck owner sold it to McDonald's, McDonald's could have built there no problem. But some restaurant owners are afraid of mobile competition. In Tarpon Springs, Florida, the Board of Commissioners reacted by banning all food trucks from the downtown area except for those that were operated by a brick-and-mortar restaurant that happened to be also located in Tarpon Springs. When the wimpy brick-and-mortar expressed fear of competition, they complained to the commissioners, and while the commissioners do say, oh, no, we can't have competition, we got to protect the one dude that's afraid of them. In South Padre Island, Texas, when the city eventually allowed a handful of food trucks to come in, the local restaurant owners panicked and asked the government for and then received veto power over the food truck competition. The city passed a law that capped the number of permits to 12 and required all food trucks have the restaurant owner sign off on their permit applications. Now tell me, do you think for one second McDonald's had to go to Burger King and say, hey, can we set up in the same town you're located in? Of course they didn't. Fort Pierce, Florida. The city commission made operating a food truck within 500 feet of any restaurant or business that sells food a crime. But of course, in Fort Pierce, there's an unlimited number of restaurants that could set up right next to each other. I used to work in Fort Pierce. Way back in the day, I had a restaurant called Rack's Restaurants, and we were right next to a Burger King. And on the other side of the Burger King was a McDonald's. And then, of course, Fort Pierce also added food trucks could not open next to any place that sold food. So a convenience store, even if they had no hot food in there, they couldn't set up there. Absolutely crazy. 
in Gibraltar, Wisconsin, a little business called White Cottage Red Door could sell cherry pies that they made themselves inside their brick-and-mortar store. But they thought it would be a cool idea to sell those exact same pies on their own property from a food truck to make it a little bit more convenient for the people that only want to come in and get the cherry pie. They met all the requirements that Wisconsin State has for a safe restaurant. The state even classifies their food truck as a mobile restaurant. But Gibraltar's cowardly town board stopped the truck's owners from using their own property to grow their own business. That's because the members of the town board feared food trucks. They were afraid of the competition. The board's former chairman owned a brick-and-mortar restaurant. The board's principal proponent of the band works at another restaurant. And then after eating at a food truck that sold a sandwich, he said, it's out of this world. And then another member cautioned that restaurants should be up in arms because the food was so good. But politicians should not be protecting restaurant profits from competitors because competition helps the restaurant get better. In Carolina Beach, North Carolina, restaurant owners were able to convince the town council to pass a law making it illegal to operate a food truck unless the owner also operates a restaurant in town. And this law is just one more example of the government illegally picking winners, which would be the restaurants, and the losers, which would be the food truck that didn't own a brick and mortar in the first place. It's not the government's job to decide where people eat. That's the choice that belongs to the consumer. Since 2014, mobile food vendors in Baltimore, Maryland have been banned from operating within 300 feet of any brick-and-mortar restaurant that sells the same type of food, merchandise, or service. So it's not just food. A mobile florist couldn't set up near a brick-and-mortar florist. A convenience store could stop somebody from selling candy bars within 300 feet of them. Couldn't sell bottled water within 300 feet of them. And the vendors that did faced $500 in fines for each violation. And they could have their vendor's license revoked as well. The effect is to prohibit mobile vendors from operating in large paths of Baltimore. The law is especially hard on food trucks, like one called Pizza De Joey, because of the city's many restaurants and other food establishments. Still, the 300-foot rule arbitrarily treats food trucks differently based on what they sell. So in this particular law, the way it was written, a taco truck could not set up in front of Taco Bell, but a Euro truck could sit up in front of Taco Bell. Now, does that make any sense at all? So they understand that competition is a good thing, but they think that a food truck that sells a better taco than Taco Bell shouldn't be allowed to sit out in front of them. But that Euro truck, go for it. Nobody should need their competitor's permission to operate a business. But for over a decade, the city of San Antonio forced food trucks to do just that. San Antonio banned food trucks from operating within 300 feet again of every restaurant, every convenience store, and every grocery store in the city. The law applied whether the food trucks were vending on private property, their own property, public property, didn't matter. The Alamo City was using government power to play favorites. Cities across the United States have experienced the benefits of food trucks, but not Chicago. Back in 2012, the city announced it would update its antiquated vending laws to allow food trucks to allow food trucks to actually cook food on board, a practice that was commonplace throughout most of the rest of the country, but Chicago thought, well, no, we can't have them do that. So although the food trucks were super excited when the law passed, they learned that they were about to be treated like second-class citizens. What happened is that a few politically connected 
connected restaurateurs worked with a particular alderman that happened to be the former head of the Illinois Restaurant Association and then the owner of a small regional chain of restaurants to make it impossible for food trucks to compete. The vending law made it illegal for trucks to operate within 200 feet of any fixed business that serves food. It also quadrupled the fines for violating that 200-foot rule up to $2,000, which by comparison is 10 times higher than the fine in Chicago for parking in front of a fire hydrant. And to help enforce this 200-foot rule, restaurants persuaded the city to force food trucks to install GPS tracking devices so that it would broadcast where they were all day long. The city of El Paso, Texas, turned itself into a no-vending zone in order to protect... You guessed it, brick-and-mortar restaurants. A business called the Institute for Justice, it's a group of lawyers that work to fight all these things I've been reading about, they filed suit in 2011 on behalf of four food truck owners from El Paso, Texas. That particular lawsuit launched a national street vending initiative and its nationwide litigation activism effort to vindicate the rights of street vendors just to earn an honest living. The case against the city of El Paso challenged the constitutionality of the city's mobile vending restrictions that made it illegal for vendors to operate, now get this, within 1,000 feet of a restaurant or a convenience store. And it prohibited them from stopping to wait on customers anywhere in the city. So basically all they could do was drive through. In response to the lawsuit, El Paso passed a New ordinance eliminating the old rule, and that was a major victory for El Paso mobile food vendors and for economic liberty. The new ordinance came only three months after the case was filed. So here is an instance where a city realized it would be more costly to litigate than it would just be to change the rule and allow new businesses to come in because new businesses create competition. New competition spurs people to get better. And the fallout from that is bad businesses close. So that the bad business can get replaced by what? A better business. So again, it's not the place of any city to treat you differently as a food vendor because your preferred method of delivery of your food just happens to be on wheels. You should not be treated differently. You are not a second-class citizen. Too often, government officials are more concerned about protecting those special interests than they are the rights of everyday people that just want to earn a living. In San Juan County, Washington, the city council passed a law designed to shut down hard-working entrepreneurs. The ordinance passed at, again, the behest of brick-and-mortar businesses, required vendors to obtain a government permit and pay $50 per day to be able to earn a living. And they also required the vendor to get the permission of the brick-and-mortar restaurants before they could even set up. So in other words, the ordinance gave the business owners the right to veto the competition, and the city charged them 50 bucks a day. That is a ridiculous vending fee. All the things I've been listing off have been passed in the last 10 to 12 years. And this is after the so-called acceptance of food trucks being more the roach coaches and the explosion of growth that we had in 2008. Now, some of these cities have been sued, again, predominantly by the Institute for Justice. Some of them have changed the laws, but not all of them. Some of them are actually pushing this all the way to the United States Supreme Court, where I believe they'll probably end up losing. The Institute for Justice wins about 75% of their cases. But what you got to understand is for the folks in those cities, it's going to be a costly battle for years to come. 
I teach people the very first thing to do when you're thinking about getting in this business is to research. You got to research the rules and regulations in your city, your town, your county, and your state. Much of the country does allow street food vending without too much nonsense that I've been talking about today. But there are enough backward, corrupt politicians and cowardly restaurant owners that there's new laws that get proposed all the time. So what's good today may not be good tomorrow. This is the one reason I also teach becoming a part of your civic community and having an ear to the ground on what's going on so that you'll have that heads up on anything that might be coming down the pike from some business owner that's afraid of you, some restaurant that's afraid of you. Besides fighting for your own rights, you can enlist the help, again, of the Institute for Justice. They have a website. It's ij.org. And on the very first page, it has a button for you to push if you are facing the kind of injustices I've been listing off here. As I explained earlier, there are a group of attorneys that look out for the economic freedoms of small businesses, and that does include food trucks. Now, tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about what you can do to fight City Hall to help your case if you do have to take it to the Institute for Justice. Thank you so much for listening to the 10-Minute Food Truck Training Podcast. If you're finding all the information helpful to your food truck business, please become a monthly supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button or follow the link in the description. Every little bit does help keep us going. Join our Facebook group. It's called Food Truck Training. We have a whole bunch of awesome members at all different levels, from brand new beginners to decades-old veterans. They've all got your back when it comes to helping you with your food truck. And again, thank you for listening. Come back tomorrow because you know i got plenty more to say when it comes to helping you and your food truck business grow.